0: Welcome to the Dare podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The Dare app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at dareresponse.com. Now without further ado, here is the Dare podcast. Hello everybody. Um, and if you don't know who I am, my name is Michelle- Oh, sorry, my name is Michelle Cavanaugh. I'm um, work here at Dare with Aida who should be here soon. Hello everyone. Oh, Here she comes. Hello. Hi. Hi,
1: Hi everybody. So just
0: just to let you know how it works, we're going to go through some of these um, uh, pre-submitted questions. If this happens to be your question, or if you find it relevant, um, the best way to use the chat is to chat along um, with as much on topic as the the question or the topic we're discussing as possible. Um, And um, we'll try and Respond to what we can in the chat as well. And this will all be um, eventually uploaded onto the app and onto our podcast and our YouTube channel.
1: Yes. And uh, just a brief notion. So if you see us gazing to the right or to the left, it's because we're looking at the chat and trying to see if somebody has a question or can pick something up from there.
0: And I'm playing Candy Crush. So <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> now, also, my printer is still out of ink. Um, so I'll be looking at my phone. I have the questions here. Show, on me, my phone. Phone.
1: Show me your phone. Show me a phone. Show me a phone. It's the question.
0: See, we're so, so, you're like my doppelganger, my German doppelganger.
1: So funny that you say that in English, actually, doppelganger, because it's a German word. Yeah, but we use it. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) So we have the first question. Yeah. Um, All right. Here we go. From Amanda. When I don't feel anxious, I'll randomly get an energy ball in my tummy and have a racing heart. I'll feel big emotions as well. It can last up to 30 minutes or so. I feel like since I developed this panic disorder, my body is confused and just shoots off warnings when there isn't any anything to worry about. How do I handle this? Great question, Amanda. Everybody in the chat who experiences that too, just random energy searches. Maybe sometimes it feels like, you know, this cold butterfly feeling in your stomach. And sometimes it feels like the word is gonna crush down over you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. that's
0: not my question that I have. So that, I don't know if that's a different list, but it's an answerable question. I'm sure it's uh, that a similar type I'll of question. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michelle. You could have said that earlier.
1: Well, well usually it's
0: me who has the problem. It's usually yeah. me. But I think that's a great... I think So yeah. in the chat, we've been liking, liking, like to use the chat too, to see for people who have been hearing some of the podcasts or starting to get this information, Here's a random one-off physical sensation based sort of question. What about it? What about it? What do we do? Do we hear the word deal or handle? What should I do? How do I deer through? What do you do when your body does a weird, random thing out of the blue that really kind of has no context? Sort of just showed up out of the blue. What do we do? Don't resist it. Mm -hmm. All right? We're not talking about having a heart attack and then do nothing. <laughs> nothing, allow it, allowing. And so, and again, allowing is not effortful. It's not something we even do, but it's something that just, just for people that are trying really hard to allow, allowing is not effortful. It's like, oh, here's this thing that I was reluctant to have here, but. And all the examples that you've heard the two of us use over call after call, it's just learning how to go into like get out of non-allowance mode because we tend to, right, like our immediate response is to go into, nope, not okay. Nope, not acceptable. What should I do as if I need to do something about a random thing my body does? And dare is to just to do not that. Just feel the feeling the same way you would feel, I don't know, a toe a sore toe or um, a stuffy nose or however you would treat something else. You would notice its presence. You would acknowledge it. You might have an opinion about it. And then after that, there's really no further involvement in that anymore.
1: Yes. So I think, uh, I don't know if I told this on the last webinar, but you guys you know that feeling when you just suddenly twist your neck too too fast. So I was brushing my hair and I twisted my head <laughs> and I got this sharp pain mm-hmm, in the back. Mm-hmm really intense and really painful and that it really upset me and it came with like an anxious whoosh like oh my god what was that that was really painful oh did you do something to your neck Mm, yeah it was uncomfortable but I just allowed it to be there it was very unpleasant and allowed it to pass as well and then I didn't go on google twisted my neck too fast really painful swollen what to do now what kind of nerves did I Did I um, crunch up there and what's going to happen now? That would be the involvement in it. Mm -hmm. I need Mm -hmm. to know for sure what it was, exactly how it happened and for what. So I can prepare myself for the next time. So I'm already bracing myself if that happens again. And this is what would keep me in this anxious state. Now, every morning, picking up my hairbrush, I would go like, oh, be really gentle. Okay, don't twist the fat that's really problematic because first of all, you're preparing for something that might or not happen. Mm -hmm. It It happened to me like, I don't know, maybe five times in my lifetime. And how much time will I spend now bracing myself for this to happen again? And at what price would that come? Think about it this way. And obviously we're not talking about things that are really dangerous. So if right. you feel like having a heart attack, we're not saying, you know, just allow that. Obviously, go have yourself checked out. But We're talking about normal, but very unpleasant fluctuations of the body. And there are a few of them, as you all know. Mm-hmm. And when you they like double and triple up.
0: Right. And you said at what price, but also at what usefulness like you prepping yourself for that thing in your neck is not going to prevent the thing in your neck from happening. No. And so we do this as like a version of almost like protection of like preparing for a bad thing to happen so I could be better at the bad thing happen. Like if you ever had a, like family like I have, if you don't answer the phone the right way, the immediately response is, what's the matter? What happened? Right? Who gets that? Where it's like you're you're preparing yourself to hear bad news all the time. So somehow, for those two seconds, you can brace yourself and protect yourself somehow. And like great for snakes, not great for physical discomfort. And Aida had like the perfect spot on answer. You use the word involvement, right? And so how much here's the here's the situation that happens. How much How much post-involvement, how much are you still involved in a thing after it's done? We mm-hmm. kind of get stuck there too. We, ha- we get stuck in pre-involvement and post-involvement and over-involvement in the present stuff. But let's take okay. post-involvement, which you've heard us talk to Patrick. He's one of our alumni. He's come on the webinars and he came up, like he used to use this term a lot in the past on the group calls, collateral damage. And that's mm-hmm. like the stuff that happens after the thing's done. So even if it's a panic attack, even if it's a full-on 10-minute panic attack, hum does its thing and goes. And but if we go with it and we continue involvement in the thing that's already gone. Who does this? In the chat, can you are you still like rehashing the thing that's already gone going, "Oh my god, that was so awful. That was so terrible." And then we look off to the future again to see if it's coming. We get like, here's the present thing that bothered us. And it's involvement in something beyond the time that it even exists is really where we get stuck because now we're still engaged in the same behavior. So this guy is going to keep cranking out the same energy because of the behavior, not because of the neck thing. Somebody else will have the neck thing and not have that energy keep cranking out because their response was, oh, that was just a neck thing. And they keep looking here. We do a lot of this and we do a lot of this. We do a lot of back to the past, off to the future about the present discomfort.
1: I love what you said, Michelle. You guys, you should write that on a sticky note. Am I? Um, how did you phrase it, Michelle? Pre-involvement and post-involvement? Oh, that's
0: what I was writing when you were talking before. There's
1: involvement, right? Which again, get involved in things
0: where like you said, is this useful? Is this a uh, practical use of your time? But also... Our pre-involvement, which is anticipatory anxiety, anxiety. right? And post-involvement, which is the rumination, which is the going backwards, which is the spinning, which is the second guessing, the collateral damage we do, which is just continued distress. You're keeping your body, your actions and behaviors are maintaining the heightened state. Now, it might have gone off into heightened state for whatever reason, right? But we maintain the heightened state by continuing the behaviors that the heightened state was originally designed for, which is fighting and fleeing and freezing and protecting. So if you're doing some version of figuring it out, trying to solve, to fix this, to get rid of, your body will maintain that state because it's following your lead. It's following your actions and behaviors. Yes. Yeah, still keeping an eye on it, Heather just wrote there. Mm-hmm. Why are you keeping an eye on it if it's not important?
1: Oh, it might come back, you know. need to praise myself. Right? And you know that heightened state that Michelle just mentioned? It's designed to be unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But look at this objectively. If you were to run from a bear, you wouldn't even notice all these sensations, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not running, you're noticing the unpleasantness of this state. And you are, and, and I think this is where we all fall into this this pit of expecting to feel good when mm-hmm. we shouldn't feel good. Mm-hmm. We should, shouldn't feel good when you're in a heightened state. The problem is you're not seeing the threat. So your context is, oh, no, it's my heart. Now it's dizziness. Now I have this weird doom feeling out of the blue in my stomach, and I don't know what it means. And that's so unpleasant, but it shouldn't be unpleasant. It should be good. I
0: should right. feel- Or trying to not care. That's the next one. Or trying to not care that I care, which is still just the fight of the care of the discomfort.
1: Yeah, you should feel these things. This is what comes with a heightened state. I think we said it on the last webinar. What comes with sad? What comes with heartache? What comes with exhaustion? You, you're you not being super positive and optimistic about yourself and, and about life. You are ugh, much more down and low. Everything just goes slower. And you are maybe have more sad f- thoughts and feelings. But you don't judge that because it makes mm-hmm. sense context and we so often forget that after maybe we've been through really um, intense stressful time or we fell into the anxiety hole and now we've been battling with anxiety trying to fight it for months and months then we found deer and now we think like oh but I should feel fine no no Mm -hmm. fight, flight flight is active and it's been for so long and you know our nervous system is such a finely tuned system so finely tuned it's designed to be like that but the downside from this is that it's also very sensitive to deviations so when we're chronically up here it will do things that are wrong it will misfire but you need to allow your nervous system to do that 100 mm-hmm. percent accuracy always being on point always being on time always relaxing when you feel like oh it's time to relax now i got up at five went to the gym did deep work the whole day met three friends took care of my kids did the laundry uh cooking and then i'm in bed like it's 11 p.m i'm like so now relax yeah. hey why am i not relaxed? i I want to relax now so why am i not relaxed well what were the circumstances for relaxation it's not this on off thing there's always this delayed response that we talk about when you apply dairy, and even if you do it like to the t perfect it's not going to work instantly it's not mm-hmm. it's desensitization and Uninvolvement, disinvolvement, what's the term, Michelle? Yeah,
0: yeah. Your body works on a delay, right? We have, we're not very patient people. So it's like, when we stop and like, I don't have one in here, but I used to use this back in the day for an example, if any of my oldies are on this call of the ceiling fan, when my oldest daughter was like, I don't know, five or so, she had, um she had a ceiling fan in her room and a button that was just for the light on and off the same button and a button for the fan on and off. Okay, and so as I was leaving the room, she asked me to turn off the fan because it was on and she was cold. So I walk out. I'm like, "Good night, Emily." Press the button, turned it off. But immediately, my daughter, because she's part of me, it's not off yet, Mom. Even turn it off. Like it's ah, it's still going, but it's off. And so she jumps out of bed and she presses the button again and she actually turns it back on. And so it was this back and forth of like, press the button. And then there was nothing left to do. Now, it didn't mean when I pressed the button, it stopped. I just cut off energy to the fan. And then the fan continues to go, but then it winds itself down. This is the part where we get stuck. But I accept and allow. It's still there. It's not gone. First of all, you accept and allow without a disclaimer, without an expectation.
1: And you turn off. Oh, you froze there, Michelle. I don't know if you froze just for me or for everybody. Or oh, maybe I froze. I don't know. Frozen. <laughs> strange. Michelle, cool. okay. you're, so, you're, you're, you're back. You're back. Yes, yes. you froze it for a minute.
0: Oh, everybody on chat, can you hear us? Are we mm-hmm. good now? Yes, yes, we're we'll okay. back. So that was strange.
1: Yeah. One of my... F- most favorite um analogies from michelle the fan it's really so important to accept that this is what happens so if you unplug the fan this is doing deer. so i'm not fueling the fire anymore with resistance and with analyzing and with trying to figure it out but i'm not going to be like desensitized and mm-hmm, become mm-hmm. instantly I right, guess. right. There's no desensitization button. And then we check and see it's desensitized.
0: Other parts of your body work that way too. Like when you eat, you don't immediately have, sati- like you're not satiated, right? You don't feel full. That's the whole like, you know, there's a delay between when you're eating the food and when your body gets the feeling of hunger. And so there's this period, that that's why the idea like eat slowly because you might then overeat because you're still eating because of hunger. Right. A lot of parts in our body work that way where like, I don't know, you have like earwax or things like that. Like you, we'll bring in other doctors too to say, like, the more you remove the earwax, the more your earwax will keep building up until you kind of leave it alone. And then it might build up more. But then your body sees oh wait, it starts to regulate itself. But it needs time. And it's time that happens after our involvement in action is over after that ceases. I wonder yeah. if my connection is bad. Can you guys, can you hear me okay? Yes. Oh, okay, good.
1: It was just just a moment. And I also want to make an important point today. Uh, I, I had this talk with a client today. It was really nice. We talked about, you know, this whole fight-flight nervous system. And you guys tell me when you think of fight-flight and, ner- and sympathetic nervous system and really heightened state, how do you perceive that? What's your first feeling when you think of that? Is it like, oh, yeah, it's a neutral thing. It's just... It happens inappropriately, fires inappropriately. Or do you think like, oh my God, this is really bad. I need to be calm all the time. What do you think? We look forward to you. what are your responses here. Because most people, especially when we go through anxiety, it's panic, it's, it's bad, it's heightened. I shouldn't be feeling like this. I, and I want to, to to emphasize that there is no good and bad. Okay, sympathetic is not better than than parasympathetic. Calm is not better than it's very not.
0: important point. It's not good or bad.
1: It's not, exactly. It's just appropriate time. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the gym or when you want to do some deep work, you don't want to be all Zen and calm. You don't want to be there. You want to be heightened, you want to be active, you need that energy. But you don't want that kind of energy when you're lying in bed. Right. Right. And
0: useful, not useful. Is this stay useful for me? Oh, it's good to be pumped up to get ready to go do something motivating. All right. Okay. And so how I how I how I term it as like, can I can I find this useful? Or do I find this unpleasant? Because usually, like for for, for me to respond to what you were saying before, um, I know you were asking in the chat, but usually like and anybody in the chat might might like view this similarly. Um, here comes that whoosh, that ting, that zap, that, that whatever the thing is that grabs your attention usually comes in, from what I see is why did that thing happen? Here come the whys, the whys be attached to the weird ass thought that showed up or the physical sensation. Here comes the why. And then right paired up with it is what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. As if every fluctuation of discomfort, Mm -hmm. here we are human body, here's the good stuff, here's the shit stuff, not good, but here's the pleasant stuff, here's the unpleasant stuff. Guess what we view as good and guess what we view as bad? We view discomfort as bad and then we view discomfort as disordered. Right. Mm -hmm. We view discomfort as what's wrong with me and which makes us more magnified and more tuned in to more discomfort because we view that discomfort as a sign of something bad, a sign of whatever. And if it's you're constantly going, why is that like, whoa, why did my neck do that? What's wrong with me? Oh, I just felt so lightheaded. Oh, God, I hate that. Why? What's wrong? What's wrong with me? What do I need to do? Because as long as I can get rid of this discomfort, then there will be no long. I won't need to have anything wrong with me anymore. And it's this, that's where like the the hunt for dis- for elimination discomfort starts. Does yes. that ring true with anybody on here on the chat?
1: And with my client, what we talked about as, as we explored this, oh, how do I perceive is it more negatively associated or neutral or positive? It, it was, we made a great shift by, viewing anxiety as something biological and physical. And it is, right? That's mm-hmm. so important to understand. So, okay, my nervous system is in a heightened state at an inappropriate time. And maybe it has been for a longer time. Okay, that's not good or bad. It's unpleasant, as Michelle said, because mm-hmm. it's not at the right time. And and I perceive this as, oh God, I'm anxious. I have an anxiety disorder and now I need to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. How about replacing that was saying, Oh, yeah, that's nerves. Okay. So our nervous system is an le- electrical system. Have you guys ever had muscle twitching when you were, when you had high stress? Like I get this all the time. And first Always time. Always with the eyebrow. And then yeah. I have to show everybody. Oh my God, look at my eyebrow. Look at my, you do that. And, you, and then you right. say, never
0: look when it's twitching.
1: I have it more in my cal- uh, calves and in my arms. It's so mm-hmm. weird. It's like we really like electrical system, and it's if you look at it from this point, it's just an electrical system. It's just too much energy there. It, mm-hmm. There's no way to, to 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 discharge that. So when you notice any sensations, how about saying, "Oh, that's just nerves." Okay, it's just my electrical system being ramped up. It will calm itself down instead of making this huge thing. Mm-hmm. Oh my nervous system is completely out of whack, that is traumatic, and now I need to do certain work to rebalance my nervous system and blah, blah. That's all just putting way too much energy and making this thing way bigger than what it actually is. Mm-hmm. So what are the key takeaways from our ramble here, Michelle? Uh, sympathetic, parasympathetic, it's neither good or bad. Okay, both are neutral, <laughs> neutrally good, appropriate, at appropriate times. And when it happens you fire in an inappropriate time and you do what michelle just explained oh my god this is so uncomfortable now what is wrong with me this is when you start this this pointless and, and very costly and painful mm-hmm. cycle. does yeah. that make sense to you guys
0: and whatever questions come up after this if we don't get to your questions no it's going to be a, a- very similarly it's going to be somebody speaking about something that's probably highly unpleasant in their body one of the un the uncomfortable section of it and what what they need to do about it which is always going to be nothing like mm-hmm. nothing don't do you don't have to do and dare is to not make you like it more it just like So from this point on, picture your whole body or all of the stuff that goes on, like Aida and I are walking with you down this long hall in a museum, okay? I think I might have used this on one of the um, other webinars. Did I? I don't remember where I say things anymore. I don't remember. (laughs) So like, and you go and we walk and we go in front of each painting and we all show up and we're like, okay, we go into beard stroking mode. Ah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This was 2020. When we were still locked away, I probably would have actually had a beard to stroke at that point. (laughs) But it was like, oh, yeah, there's that painting. And you we now have awareness of the painting in this room. Okay, here's an awareness of this painting. This painting is painted with blue and purple paints. And it's whatever. Okay, here's there's the painting. Next level. Now you will probably have an opinion about that painting. Oh, I love that painting. Aida says, oh, I hate that painting. And we both go, mm-hmm. whether we love the painting or <laughs> hate the painting, we don't need to have the painting removed. We don't have to feel better about the painting. I don't have to make her like the painting to just go, oh, yeah, look at that painting. And then we kind of go to the next painting and we can have thoughts and feelings and opinions about anything that shows up, period. Again, anything beyond that is where we become disordered, right? The disordered response to that painting on the wall that our our further involvement in, oh yeah, there's a painting. Oh, I like that. Oh, I love that one. Oh, I hate that one. That one's my least favorite. Correct. That's my least favorite. And you keep going and you keep walking down
1: the museum. And you know what? My least favorite sensation is DP next to muscle twitching. Okay. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like it. But, but I, like, yeah. I don't
0: mind DP, Aida. I hate nausea. Why, why don't you right? care about nausea? <laughs> but now you see, if Aida hates DP, the DP painting the most,
1: mm-hmm. why
0: would she spend the most time in the museum staring at that painting?
1: Oh, good one. <laughs> That's such.
0: A- <laughs> right? that's what we do. I, that was, I posted that like a year or so ago. Somebody was like, wow, the two people in a the museum, they're like, wow, you must really like that one. You've been here all day. And the person was like, no, that's the, actually the one I hate the most. And that's <laughs> just what we do. We pull up a chair and we sit and we stare at the shit we hate the most. And then we get frustrated because we're like, I'm sitting here all day long, trying really hard to accept and allow. Accept and allow means letting yourself not like the thing, but then carrying on down the museum. That's really what that means.
1: That's a fantastic analogy. That's a, a screenshot that for future projects just saying. Lots, lots to saying right, I haven't heard that before, actually. Oh no? yeah, it's in the Instagram files. <laughs> right. And the reason why we... Why do we resist, guys? I think that's an important question to ask yourself. Why am I doing that? Why am I resisting? Why am I trying to control? And in most cases, it is, oh, because I fear if I don't control it, this is going to overwhelm me. This is going to get so big and I'm going to be toast. There's no going back. Either I'm going to die of a heart attack. I'm going to, whatever, fall over because I get so dizzy or I'm going to lose my mind and go crazy. So this the most most common reason is if I don't control that, it's gonna get so big. And it's keeping up this illusion of control, right? As long as I steer at it, I'm keeping it at bay. Rationally, everybody, without exception, understands we're not doing that. But as we know, rationality in the face of anxiety is like, mm, what is it worth? Almost nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. This is why action is so important. Action is so important. Right. So Ask yourself next time you find yourself overly involved. You can ask yourself, am I pre-involved? Am I post-involved in something? Mm -hmm. If yes or yes, you can ask yourself, well, why am I doing that? What am I trying Mm -hmm. to achieve here? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm trying to control this so it doesn't get so big and overwhelms me. Is that an illusion of control or true control? Well, it's an illusion. Is that my time well spent? No. So what's the alternative? Oh, moving on Mm -hmm. down in the museum.
0: Oh, Oh, there I am, back in a habit of oh, I oh you know she keeps stopping at the museum, and every time she keep keeps talking about and now take this one with a grain of salt, everybody out there. How much time? Even if you're not doing it externally, you're doing it internally. If I hate paintings of dogs playing poker, okay, and we're down that museum, and I'm like, God damn it, there's another again. It's another one. How many times we have to see this? I hate this paint. I hate these paintings. And I stop and, and I just keep walking down. I'm like, hold on. Come back here. Look at this. Look at this painting. I hate this painting so much. Did I ever tell you how much I hate this painting? Hold on. I got to call my mother. Mom, there's another painting on there. And we just stay. That's habit, guys. That's automated behavior. That It'll <laughs> feel automatic. It's automatic something that we have conditioned ourselves to do every time a painting that of dogs playing poker i notice i stop and i stay and this is us with our latching problem it's a latching disorder wrong thing so Sure. Surface level. If I eliminated all dogs playing poker and banned it from the world, I won't have to latch on to them anymore. But also I don't get to decide that I'm in charge of my latch. I, I have say on this. And so it might like have become conditioned to latch on to poker playing dogs. Then when I notice I'm there, I can choose how long I stay here for. That might not feel easy in the beginning. And it's definitely not easy at all, but it's like, I'm in charge of where I direct my focus and attention. And so I can then unlatch to latch onto something else because something else is more useful and more important to send my time and energy to other than dogs playing poker.
1: Yes. And one last question, guys, have you ever been dragged into a really, really boring museum as a kid? Or as a teenager, I have for sure, and like the worst one was in Italy, in a stone museum. Like imagine we were like sixteen years old and we <laughs> two hours to stare at freaking stones. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it, think of of the anxiety museum or this the, this museum called the sensitization museum. Yeah. You are forced to walk through that with your parents or with school. Okay, you have to, and there will be. Oh, heart palpitation. Oh, that's interesting. I hate this. Oh, oh I hate this even. more. Oh, there's a dizzy. But you have to walk through it to get out of it. And there's no way for you to not walk through it. And you can dislike it all you want. But what will you do when you're there? You're not going, oh, D.P. I hate this so much, as M- Michelle said, and really um, latch onto that. And Amber, somebody in the chat asked, what is DP? It's depersonalization for you who don't know it. right? So you have to. The only way out is through, as the saying goes. Um, but your part is really, mm, am I involved here? Am I latching onto this? Is this necessary? Is it helpful? Is it useful? And what's the alternative?
0: Yeah, and here's somebody in the chat my issue is I feel like I need to like dogs playing poker to get over the feeling of hating dogs playing poker. Right, I'll never like dogs playing poker. But I can just not do a damn thing about it anymore. Let yourself not like it. You will not like the feeling of anxiety. It doesn't turn into pleasant. You will never like explosive diarrhea. You will never like discomfort. You don't you're not supposed to. Most people don't like things they don't like. See this weird, I'm trying to like things I don't like. Why? Just not like this. Like when I tried to like Swiss cheese and cauliflower, like the first 15 years of my life, my kids still do it too. One desperately tries to like tomatoes. One wishes she could like avocados. She just doesn't like it. So Let go of that pressure and force to like something. We're so micromanaging, trying to control, like trying to control what I like and what I don't like. How are you doing that by like positive affirmations over and over again? No, I I like avocado. I like avocado. I like avocado. I just don't like it let yourself not like it. You're not supposed to like all of the human experience of discomfort, but your body is created with with the ability to experience discomfort. Like it or not. Just get better at not liking it, but not doing a lot about what I don't like.
1: Oh, so should we move to the next question? So guys, sorry, I was um, in the wrong sheet earlier when I asked, first question when i read the first question so the first question on the sheet for today is i i just can't deal with loud noises Mm -hmm. they make me so angry apart from wearing headphones what else can i do please help Mm -hmm. would you like to have a go Sure. so this can this could
0: be a whole webinar we can have webinars more webinars about this so there is sensitivity and there's sensitization. And I know a lot, a lot. there's been like feedback that people would love us to incorporate this concept of D.A.R.E. with um, other areas, like if you have um, a diagnosis of ADHD or autism or trauma, those seem to be the top three. But um, that's why we don't really talk about diagnoses here. I've never even really cared about the label that somebody comes to me with, like, especially when I worked inpatient um, psychiatry unit and somebody, I don't really care what that label is. I care about, well, what about it is troublesome for you? what about it is creating distress what about it do you is is not helpful for you in social interactions or with discomfort or whatever and that's what really therapy is based on how to improve what, what whatever you call it that's why it doesn't the DSM is really for for us not mm-hmm. you know it, it has its place to kind of put names to things and so in the world of autism if anybody on the call is is finding this relevant um this is a vast generalization, you might um, also notice that you have higher sensitivity than other people like that diagnosis usually comes with certain things, sensitivity is one of them. Now, the world of TikTok makes everything um, diagnosable. So Just because you have heightened sensitivity doesn't mean you have autism. And not everybody with autism is always dealing with heightened sensitivity. But if we were to incorporate this question into this capacity of um, attending to all of these, let's say I don't know this person other than that one line, I can't deal with loud noises. Okay. Let's take that first sentence. Some people just have are naturally have. Born sensitive, right? They're natural. Their sensitivity from the beginning. Why? Don't know. For whatever reason, they are. They just have a higher sensitivity than other people. Anybody on here find that relevant so far? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean to noises. Like my son has very strong eye sensitivity. Light bothers, and anything with sensitivity usually comes with the feeling of bothered. And so if you're more sensitive to something, sure, you're, you're more like this might feel more good, but there's also a chance of you're more bothered. So light bothers my son's eyes, just naturally, more than it bothers other people. So if you are already, let's say, I know the book, the highly HSP, right, highly sensitized person, if you already of heightened sensitivity to things you are probably taking in more stimulus input than other people noise and smells my smell sensitivity was magnified when i was pregnant did you get like that when you were pregnant
1: yes yes it was especially the um wood was wood yeah really? wood was was like impossible mine was so- meat cooking
0: cooked that cooking meat. There was one day, Sean, I'm like, go outside. Oh, I can't smell it. He's outside eating like sausage behind the sliding door. And he's like, it's snowing. He goes, can I come in? I'm like, not yet. <laughs> but like certain things, whether it's for whatever reason, that's why I don't really care so much about the specific diagnosis. But sometimes We are just more sensitive to certain things. And then in comes sensitization, right? Now our bodies are in a heightened mode, right? And so now we are... Already sensitive and sensitized. And so I, I know I'm a little bit off on a tangent here, but I want to mention that too, because some people think, like, well, Dare's not going to work for me because I already have this going on. Or how am I supposed to accept and allow when a lot of information out there um, for people with higher sensitivities are to reduce all that stuff, which is again, like this paper here. We don't care. Sure. That's fine. Noise canceling headphones. My son wears eye- sunglasses or a baseball cap because his eyes are more sensitive. That, in and of itself, it's like you just attend to that. But also notice this who is involved in this part? It, those loud noises bother me, they make me so angry. Where's the rest of that question? Um, apart from wearing headphones, what else can I do? Please help. And so this is when we develop this relationship with noise, relationship with bothered, relationship with angry, that I must feel better in order to be okay. And it's you can do both worlds at the same time, but notice your desperate attempts here in order to do here. So this is the dare part here that we talk about. Um, do, I know I'm talking a lot about this thing, but does anybody anybody deal with this? I know I see some things coming up in the chat noises and smells and smells and sensitive and sensitized. So I wanted to I wanted to mention that on the call, and I'm going to be quiet uh, now.
1: And you know what ties into that too when you're when you're sensitized, like you are you feel very thin skinned.
0: Mm-hmm. Like maybe you know
1: I'm I'm sensitive to maybe how my husband asks me to do a chore, but if I'm in a good mood, I'm like okay. Okay, but if I'm sensitized, that would piss me off, right? And I would react Mm -hmm. Um, instead of being responsive. I'll be so reactive to that, right? And that would trigger me. So and it bothers me. So I want him to stop that, (laughs) to to change so I can feel better, right? Or what else can we do? Is notice again that mindfulness and that diffusion part here really helps to notice. Oh, okay, there's a loud sound. I'm sensitized, and this is why it bothers me more. Okay. I can practice getting better at being bothered without exactly. being so reactive to it and now trying to, ooh, how can I minimize all the sound around me so I feel less bothered?
0: Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, we don't know in which context. Like, is it when this person is sensitized and when they feel anxious that they experience this, or is it more general thing? Um, this I don't know, but it's the same notion, guys. Okay, notice, right. normalize diffuse, change your relationship with discomfort. And that can be bothered, that can be sad, that can be heightened, that can be, I can't sleep, I'm hungry, I'm dizzy, whatever, it's always the same.
0: And to tie into what you were saying before, um, when you were saying when when that whoosh or anxiety shows up, how do you treat it? Replace that, what she said, with bothered. Because Mm -hmm. then it's really like exposure therapy for bothered, internal exposure therapy for bothered, which is really like more somatic work, because I have... Like whatever, I'm this I'm very sensitive to noise. Noise bothers me. And now I must do something really to alleviate bothered. This is a big part of the OCD loop also. Desperate attempt at an at alleviation of bothered. And so we're usually looking at the thing to see if it worked if my bothered went down. And I'm just going to ask you to just look at your bothered. Just turn and just look at bothered.
1: Bothered yeah, thought, content. Yes, and uh, sorry, Michelle, you drove such no, an no, important guys. point, right? So I, I said in another call, try to separate thought content of the thought from the feeling it comes with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't explain it in, in, in the same nice manner that you did, but right, guys, when you have a thought, no matter which thought, no matter which sensation, you don't care. You just care
0: that you you
1: feel. Yes. yes, You care about that. Because you can think about pink elephants or whatever, or about, oh, did I run someone over the traffic light? If it wouldn't come with that mm, feeling, if it didn't okay.
0: compared with bothered, you would have left it alone.
1: So, so we care about bothered. I don't like bothered. I don't like bothered. So one of the daily dares is drop down into your body. Mm-hmm, and that yep. ties into that, right? So whatever crosses your mind and usually anxiety gets triggered up here even if it's a physical sensation that triggers it but the interpretation is still up here right oh my god oh my god so instead of and because it gets triggered up here we tend to go into our head and try to fix it where it was triggered Mm -hmm. so oh Mm -hmm. it was in that battlefield so let me battle it here that never works it gets triggered here but where does it manifest guys where do you feel you're bothered in your body you feel it in your body. So instead of trying to change the thought, control the thought or the sensation, just as Michelle said, say it again, Michelle, look at bothered. right? Yeah. Oh, look at th- that bothers
0: me. I'm only attending
1: to the thought because of
0: bothered. Well, if I wasn't, bo- so I'm really, you're in with bothered. So be bothered. Uh-huh. In order to be bothered, it's not here. That drop down into your body is one of the most important daily dares on that app. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's because you're, he- you're he- thinking about it and talking about it, but like, The goal is to feel the feeling because you're, if you're at odds with this thing, you're not going to get at it from the neck up and around in a loop, right? Use the CBT stuff for CBT stuff. Use like, this is more like I'm in my head and I had to, if I go like this picture it, like this thing releases and it kind of sinks down into here and you feel bothered. But you don't feel bothered like this. Look at my body language. I, if you're listening to me on the on the podcast, look at this part on the YouTube channel. Although you could probably hear it in my voice. There's a big difference. I'm like this and I'm clenched and I'm tight and I accept it, accept and allow and accept and allow. This is not accept and allow. This is somebody with their mouth to their head, spinning and saying the words and using the intellect. That, this is intellectualization that gets us really stuck in avoiding what dare is, which is feel bothered. And I feel bothered when I flip this switch and I yeah, feel everywhere. bothered like this.
1: This is the difference what Michelle just showed with her body between how do I dare through, how mm-hmm. do I do dare and how do I be dare, if that makes sense. How do I be, grammatically, not that correct, but be dare. I think that's also another daily dare for be there instead of trying to do dare with your head and trying to Mm. to, to always battle battle this thing in your head be it try to embody it by applying it yes but also by doing the uncomfortable things so many people get stuck and this is why this question how do i deal with this how do i dare through how do i handle this comes because we're like okay i if i just get the technique right in my head if you tell me step one two three what to do I'm going to solve this. And that's just another avoidance strategy because the whole thing that gets you through it, it's the getting better at being bothered. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm
0: -hmm. like growing your, this guy growing your capacity for loud, growing your tolerance for loud noises, not tolerating through loud noises. And you don't always get to eliminate all the loud noises. And so sometimes all those external things that you have, or your headphones don't work, or you don't have them. And if your only go-to is must eliminate noise because noise bothers me. Noise makes me angry. Angry is a bothersome, another version of agitation, right? Used for survival. And then we, we just fight all that stuff. And so you can also sensitive or sensitize or sensitive and sensitize, grow your tolerance for bothered, grow your tolerance for that, which is by, by, a. Like kind of like progressive exposure therapy, but done with the right intention.
1: Yeah. Do you have something that bothers you, Michelle? Something that everything bothers me. (laughs) You know what really bothers me? When I we were in this kitchen studio a few years ago, there was this radio playing in the background. I couldn't listen to this guy, and I was like, for half an hour, I was like, "Mm," I was like, (laughs) (laughs) stop. Or when, when I'm engaging in a conversation with somebody and, and there's a TV playing in the background. It's like, I can't oh, yeah. focus on this person. It's very, very distracting. I'm working on that, by the way. i <laughs> <laughs> being less bothered. Okay, next question is regarding health anxiety. Oh, do you want to read it, Michelle? I just...
0: Sure. Uh, regarding health anxiety, how do you become able to believe your providers when they express nothing is wrong with you physically? I have done blood work, halter monitoring and echoes, which all have proven negative, but I continue to feel these sensations that make me physically ill causing me to spiral. This is it. such a relevant question. This comes up all the time. Where my health anxiety uh, questions and people in the chat, it's- always it's always a question that comes in
1: um great. Very valuable because it will it will answer so many other questions so let's try to break this up. so i'm going to read it again regarding health anxiety how do you become able to believe your providers let's start there how do you become able to believe your providers what do you think guys how do you wait, wait can you find that switch from now on, I'm going to believe my providers and um, it's going to feel good. I'm going to trust them and I'm going to believe it wholeheartedly. Where's that switch? If you found it, let me know. I want. Tell me I how to
0: force you. a belief onto yourself or onto others and tell me how that's working for you.
1: <laughs> exactly. You don't. It takes It takes a leap of faith, right? It would be nice if there would be trust, but trust is usually based on, on experience. Now, when you don't have the experience, so let's say that's your first time working through health anxiety or your first time doing this, you don't know, oh my God, is it going to work? Am I going to be safe if I truly allow this? When you don't have trust, you need to take a leap of faith and just do it. There is no, it feels like there's no safety net. I might fall, yes, but what is more important for me to take that step and do that or live the rest of my life in fear of something that a lot of intelligent, competent people are telling me is okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember belief does not equal certainty. And no. we get that mixed up too. belief is like what there's trust and there's doubt. And what you believe, that's why like that's religion is based in belief. If, if everybody knew for sure, and there was certainty, there wouldn't even be a belief. You would just be, Oh, like you're, Oh, I'm sorry. You're dead. Oh, you just walked through that door over there. And that's, clearly what happens that's the facts so you're going to a doctor looking for 100% certainty that there's absolutely nothing wrong because i must find something wrong it's it's we can talk a lot about this particular question too for for one particular thing is to need complete 100% certainty that my body is okay and doctors can't really do that You're not going to find, they can certainly tell you if you tested positive for strep throat, right? It kind of works with like a rule out sort of thing. Well, let's see if you have these things. You don't have these things. You don't like they're, they're looking for a thing, and when you can't find a thing this is where people get stuck because but i'm still left with these sensations but i'm still left with discomfort and that's another world we kind of get stuck in merging sensation with symptom now our body creates physical sensations but what happens is when we we view every physical sensation as a as a symptom a symptom means it comes from something else right my throat is sore. I went to the doctor. They told me I have strep throat. So the soreness is a symptom of my strep throat. And when the strep throat goes away, my sore throat will be alleviated. In our world, it's usually we go we go finding a dis, a unpleasant feeling we don't like, trying to find a reason for it. So if I can find the reason, I can fix that and then turn off the discomfort. And what happens is that sensation that we treat as a symptom really just becomes an obsession and becomes magnified and becomes pinned on the radar. And now all we find is a sore throat and then down the rabbit hole of the medical world and of the wellness world. And did you try the Larian route? Did you try this? Did you try this? when it's not done with the mindset of wellness, it's done with the mindset of this is a sign. Like we said before of what's wrong with me. I need to find out why, because if I can find out why I can get rid of this uncomfortable feeling. And if I don't get rid of this uncomfortable feeling, I will continue my involvement in it until it's gone. Do you guys see how, even though they are completely different questions, they are tied in with each other.
1: Totally. Totally. Just uh, to give you a real-life e- example, I think it was two, l- last year, this time around, I got such an itchy throat. I was like, okay, maybe I have dry skin, so I bought the best creams, put it on, right? Mm, nothing changed. Okay. A week later, went to the doctor, my GP, and he was like, mm, I don't know what that is. Um, just watch it. So then I got this allergy. Sorry to swell. I was like, oh, now something is really wrong. Went back to the GP. He was like, mm, here's some cortisol. Um, Take that go to, to to your dermatologist, went to the dermatologist, did this huge allergy scan. And I was like, oh, we're sure, we're gonna find something. Nothing, not celery, celery and hazelnuts. I don't eat them ever. You're so- allergic to celery? Yes. Is that what it is? Yes, yes. allergic really? to celery and, and hazelnut, but I, I didn't consume those, so that was not it. So now I had two very competent people We said, there's nothing, blood work showed nothing, but I still had this intense itchiness. And as you guys know, with itchiness, it's a really bad feedback loop. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. is it Mm itching? Oh, yeah, it's itching a bit. So let me scratch. Oh, no, no, now it's just more. (laughs) But what happened? After two people told me there's nothing, there's really nothing more I can do now, I could have gone to Google and do my own research. I just knew that it's not going to be helpful. I left it alone and my body kind of took care of it. why, why, why did I have that allergic reaction? Why was it so itchy? I will never know. I will never know.
0: You hear that? Never know. I had somebody book a call with me. And I had like a few weeks that I was booked out. And they called me to ask me that they had a physical sensation that lasted about 15 to 20 seconds. And it was very important and very powerful. And could that have been a symptom of anxiety? And why did I feel this feeling? And I said to them, like, no idea why your body was that anxiety and i don't know i have no idea i can give you all of the coulds and no doctor will ever be able to tell you why your body did some weird thing three weeks ago like you're you're really only asked because it There's still uncertainty. It still could. And where do our coulds go? But it could be an unknown illness that if they don't catch it in time. This is health anxiety is usually very well intended. It's done with this idea of like, if I can just stay one step ahead, if I could catch it when it's early, right, I can get rid of it before it takes over my body or it kills me or that's usually what we're stuck on. I'm going to die or I'm going to be stuck in some perpetual vegetative state for the rest of my life. And because we don't want those things to happen, we spend our time, like Aida was saying, we we kind of just create a feedback loop where now are we really more dizzy or are we magnified dizzy and locked into this feedback loop of, Finding dizzy because this guy on his radar, now dizzy is the identified danger or the sore throat is the identified danger or pain becomes the identified danger. Fatigue becomes the identified danger. And we treat like, even if when they're symptoms of actual health conditions, somebody asked me that too. What if you actually have a health condition? The stuff is not made up in our heads. The pain is real. The fatigue is real. The dizzy is real. So we're not arguing that. But when it becomes the O of the Mm -hmm. O C D loop, it take it's no then we're not actually looking to find a problem. We're looking to alleviate the discomfort. And it's the C that keeps that alive. That's a little tricky to explain sometimes.
1: No, I think it was really clear. and, And I also think, you know, there's a differentiate you need to differentiate between okay, I'm in such bad pain and the doctor telling me, but you're fine, but this is just excruciating pain or I can't work. It's really robbing me of quality of my mm-hmm. life. Then yes, like most of us would be like, okay, but something is clearly wrong. Right. But it really depends on what is the sensation. If it's itchiness, if it's heart palpitation. So usually the things that come with a heightened state or, you know, itchiness can be just histamine, increased mm-hmm. histamine mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. stress. So we're not saying just, you know, brush everything away. Obviously, you, your your body's your responsibility. But it's about really differentiating between is this dangerous and is this discomfort. And this is exactly what in health anxiety is a big mix of everything right. that is uncomfortable is dangerous.
0: Right, right. A doctor will not be alleviating all your natural human discomfort. They can see yeah. if it's if that particular discomfort at that moment of time is a symptom of something else, and then they can attend to the something else, give you something new for the something else. But if it's just like for me, it was nausea for years, and there was nothing wrong with me. And was I even more nauseous, or was I just so magnified nauseous that from from the receiving end, you don't know the difference, yeah. right? You don't know if I'm 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 nauseous. I'm so nauseous. I'm nauseous all the time. I think I all, Right? It was constant all day like that. But there wasn't anything wrong. And then we go down the what's wrong with me path. And what's wrong with you could be, well, also I'm in a sensitized state. And that could be oftentimes what's wrong when I'm no longer in the sensitized state, my magnification of nausea gets smaller.
1: Yes, 100%. Right? Okay. Cool. So uh, we have time for one more question, Michelle, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, how do I accept that my bodily sensations won't hurt me? Oh, another great question. In more details, I have checked with my cardiologist that my PVCs are harmless, but when they strike, they strike so hard that I cannot not panic. Fantastic question. Well, is it in your control to not panic? but mm-hmm. the first fear is it are you in control was I in control when I had this whoosh when the the, the next thing happened no thank God thank God <laughs> we're not in control of that oh my god yeah, really good by now so it's a good thing again try to view that wish of panic or anxiety that comes as oh thank you for warning me I know that's tough because it bothers you so much get better at being bothered but not looking at it so negatively thank you body was really unpleasant was not needed because obviously i am okay the doctor said and i trust them so i don't need the panic anymore um but okay fine thank you that's really the only right response to that as opposed to being frustrated that it's coming up then responding in a destructive way and then being being uh, frustrated about your destructive response to the thing that you don't like, which just right. keeps in that cycle. You cannot control when your body sends you a wish. And when you sensitize, you will do that very often in most inappropriate times. And there is absolutely, listen, guys, zero you can do about it. But this is where you're stuck.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, That's what mm-hmm. you're and this is, and, and you're failing at it. You're failing. You're trying. You're failing. You're trying. You're failing. You're trying. You're failing. And the result of the, those failed attempts is what you perceive as anxiety, and helplessness, and out of control. Right. So it's not the thing itself. It's your failed attempts to control. So try to just let go of that and let your body. As you, Michelle used that great analogy with with the fan, the bedroom fan. Mm-hmm. It applies here perfectly, doesn't it, Michelle?
0: Yeah, and and in this short question, this is—it's not said, it's not written in here, but it's this person's looking for certainty. How can I know for sure? How can I know for sure that nothing? In my, it won't, won't, will not. Future oriented, still needing to know, and health anxiety usually is pinned into the future. Something's here, and I need to something here in order to prevent there. I just want to read the sentence again so you guys can hear it. How do I accept that my bodily sensations won't hurt me? It's another version of the other question. How do I believe? How do I believe? You're, you're trying to force it. Somebody else in the chat wrote, I'm trying to like, we're trying to force things that you don't get to do Effortfully, how do I accept that my bodily sensations won't hurt me? In more details, I have checked with my cardiologist that my PVCs are harmless, but when they strike, they strike so hard, I can't not panic. Okay, but remember, if PVCs are harmless and you have a whoosh of anxiety, it's still harmless. Fear showing up to the party is still fear unless fear showed up to point out danger to you. So you can have PVCs and no fear and be safe, and you can have PVCs and tons of fear and still be safe. Am I guaranteeing your safety forever that everything your body ever does will be safe? No, no, because that's the only certainty. We are all going to die. Definitely. That's the definite. We're just think every is this, is this me dying now is this me dying now is this this is this that and then the PVCs become the O of the OCD
1: ish type loop. Yes. So how what's what's an easy way to to remember what we just t- talked about uh, the past two or three minutes in, in regards to to these questions? Number one, it's not in your control. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two. Be happy that you, that you have a good functioning stress response. It's like, oh, something feels really off. Hey, I'm warning you. What do you think? Look at this. Look at this. And now, but it's for you to decide to say,
0: oh yeah, oh my
1: God, that is horrible. Or yeah, thanks for warning me. Doctor said it's safe. So I'm going to treat it as safe, even though I feel like it is not. That's mm-hmm. a paradox of anxiety, right? I have feelings and with those feelings come certain urges. Mm-hmm. that's in stock energy do something do something and if i can physically do something run or fight fantastic if i can't well then i try to maybe avoid or control it in some way and if i can't do that physically i'll still do it internally and how by monitoring it constantly being involved in it and that is the same as avoiding it or physically controlling something mm-hmm. the absolute same mm-hmm. if not worse. <laughs> and nobody would see it from from the outside so be mindful with your responses. Watch yourself for a while and then be brutally honest. Hmm, what am I doing here? Am I pre-involved, post-involved? And if I am, why am I doing this? Uh, with what, what goals do I have in mind here? And number three, where is this leading me? Is this working and at which price does it come? And then you'll have your answer.
0: I'd love for you, you guys to go into museum mode. Right? Museum mode of like walk down that long museum of the day and like life is here in front of you or whatever. You look at the paintings and notice the painting that's on the wall and notice your opinion about that painting. Notice how that painting might make you feel. Notice what your opinion is of that painting. Give the painting a nod. Give the feeling oh, okay. a nod. Give you your opinion what? a nod. Right.
1: You, you do, do the
0: beard. Stroke Stop the 2020 that. beard. That's really good. <laughs> and then, okay. Correct. What's the next painting? And you sort of keep going. This is how you get better at being with all the things your body's doing, whether you're involved in it or not. Your body's going to keep doing things. Thoughts, weird-ass thoughts are going to show up. Body fluctuations are going to happen. Feelings kind of come and go. And it's, I need to, I need to treat them all fairly. A thought about a flamingo is no different than a thought about me punching a kitten. I, I, like, they're both a thought, but now I have different feelings that show up in my body when I think about each of those two things, and I might have an opinion. Oh, I like that one, and I don't like one. That's what you, you get to go back to just doing that. It's all the extras that we added in along the way that's created the distress. Let yourself not like those thoughts. Let yourself not like those feelings. Go back to letting yourself not like it, rather than everything I don't like is a sign of what's wrong. Just Go back to not liking unpleasant things. And you get back into, like, like the flow of yourself. And back, like, you plug back into life. We're so, like, like not in the right gear. And so we keep banging. Just dive in. Yeah, that is. Yeah, you're right. I don't like that. And keep going. You not have to stop and stare at the painting that you don't like. Just notice you don't like it. Keep going. It's the keep going that we don't tend to do. Are we going desperately trying to not? Just keep going lightly.
1: Yeah, and if you are afraid of just going because you feel like, oh my God, if I go, the painting will drop off the wall and start haunting me I <laughs> stop staring at it. If you don't trust that it won't, that's okay. I didn't trust that I won't go crazy if I allow you- I didn't, but I just did it. It's this, this, this leap of faith that, that I refer to. It's really important that you don't wait for things to click, for you to feel ready or for you to trust that it's gonna be okay what maybe tell yourself i act as if i would trust right that this is safe and then just jump yeah all right guys thank you so much for being here today thank you for your questions thank you mrs kamenal and we will see you on the next webinar next time take care Bye. bye
0: Thank you for listening to the Dare podcast. The Dare app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.